the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went home, and the crowd came together again, so that Jesus and the disciples could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, he's gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then, indeed, the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was the summer of 2011, almost 10 years ago to the day, give or take. I had just graduated from college earlier that spring with my highly honorable and yet practically useless liber liberal arts bachelor's degree in English. I had also just started attending a new church community in the Wicker Park neighborhood of Chicago. Oh, and somewhere in the middle of all of that, I had also just started the process of coming out as gay. A year of change, to be sure. In the midst of this last semester of my college career, coming to terms with who I was in more ways than one, I found Urban Village Church. By the pure luck of a Google search for gay-friendly church in Chicago. Because you see, after years of growing up in a denomination that actively excluded people like me, both in the pews and certainly in the pulpits, I didn't think that such a place existed, let alone so many of them as I would come to soon discover. And I certainly had no idea what this reconciling in Christ thing was. So there I was, not only at my first ever pride parade, but marching in it 
with my church, and not just with my church, but with the over 80 faith communities that make up the Chicago Coalition of Welcoming Churches, from across denominations and traditions, from the city and the suburbs alike. I remember it like it was yesterday, standing in the middle of Broadway on the north side of Chicago on a hot summer Sunday afternoon, getting ready for the parade to step off, already dying of thirst from the heat of the sun, but then looking out over a sea of poster boards, each bearing the rainbow logo of the Chicago Coalition of Welcoming Churches and the name of a different faith community from the city or the surrounding suburbs. Only months before, I could have hardly imagined that such a sight was possible, and yet there I was, experiencing it for myself. This Sunday, as we stand at the beginning of another Pride Month, I'm reminded of that welcome that I received at Urban Village now 10 years ago, hard as that is to believe. It was an experience that freed me to be fully myself, fully who God created me to be. Still, at the same time, I have to admit that I'm acutely aware not everybody experiences that same kind of welcome, least of all in our churches. It's no secret that the church as a whole has been a source of pain and trauma for those in the LGBTQIA community. And only about 10%, not even, of the 8,900 congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, this denomination, only about 10% are reconciling in Christ. For as long as exclusion exists, there is still reconciling work to be done. Okay, but this is a sermon, so there's good news in here somewhere, right? I didn't just bring you down for the sake of bringing you down. This week, for me, the good news came from an unlikely place. Because it's no secret either that the Apostle Paul from whom we just heard in 2 Corinthians, responsible for much of what we call the New Testament outside of the Gospels. It's no secret that Paul hasn't exactly been much of a friend to those in marginalized communities over the history of Christianity. Paul's writings have been used to justify slavery, to bar women from being ordained as pastors or serving as lay leaders in the church, and to exclude and harm LGBTQIA plus people in the church and in the world. And yet, Paul writes, so we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. In a world marred by brokenness and division, there is so much that wastes away at our outer nature 
and our outer selves so much that degrades who we are in our bodies and how we live and move in the world and in our lives as the people that God created us to be. He's gone out of his mind. Jesus' own family tries to restrain him, to hold him back from being fully himself and from doing the work that he was called to do, to cure the sick, to feed the hungry, to befriend the lonely, to preach good news to the poor and the oppressed. He's out of his mind. This is all too embarrassing, too much, too fast. It's causing a scene. Not like this, Jesus. Even though our outer nature is wasting away. Forces beyond our control seem to try their hardest to hold us back sometimes, don't they? The voice that says you're too much or out of your mind or not fill in the blank enough. There is so much that wastes away at us. But our inner nature is being renewed day by day. It's not that that outer nature, our embodied lives, don't matter to Paul. But rather, it's an encouragement to an early church community. An encouragement to us even now, so many years later. We who live in this weird in-between place where our lives are still wounded by that sin and brokenness and division, even at the same time while Christ's spirit sustains and renews us. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. The inner nature that God has made and called very good, not regardless of who we are, as a colleague of mine pointed out this week, but because of who we are. The inner nature that God claims and names as beloved in the waters of baptism, the waters into which we are immersed and from which we rise renewed every day. Renewed for the work of God's reign of love and justice and peacemaking in the world. This is about resurrection, and it's not even the Easter season anymore, right? This is about resurrection. Christ's resurrection and victory over death means that the powers and the forces that waste away at us, that alienate us from God and from each other, have been defeated try as they might to overcome us. God frees us to be who we are now, right now, here in this place, our full selves, whether we march with rainbow flags during Pride Month or simply exist in our ordinary, everyday lives, in our neighborhoods and our communities. God frees us to be who we are, so that grace, Paul writes, as it extends to more and more people, may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. God frees us to be who we are, so that grace may abound. <laughs>